My message today is the Scotland that God wants. The Scotland that God has purposed. You know, there are a lot of people with ideas about how Scotland should, should be. Political ideas, political ideologies, and I have to say a lot of them are perverted. And a lot of them are unworkable. And other societal things, a lot of people want to completely undo the Reformation and the effects of uh, the Kingdom of God in Scotland's history. So a lot of people have ideas, political, sociological, and so on. But I want to say to you today that the Scotland God has purposed is the Scotland that you and I should be concerned with and in the business of co-laboring with him to build. A number of weeks ago, we went to uh, Edinburgh with Stevie and Emma. And I'm a wee bit sad today because we're supposed to be going down to see them tonight for a time of prayer, but we're just not going to make it because we've got another meeting this afternoon. There's football traffic. You know, Agnes isn't too great. So we won't make it, but we're meeting them next week because uh, we meet regularly to pray for the nation and decree God's will over the nation. And it's next Friday we're meeting, which is the day before the Saturday, which is my birthday, okay? <laughs> the 11th of March. Eh, no. Uh, but when we were in St. Giles, and we, 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 we decided to decree in St. Giles, and we, we then went out behind it at the Market Cross and made further decrees. And I've got to say, a lot of what's happening right now was exactly what we decreed. Sturgeon gone, Swiney, I mean, Swinney gone, <laughs> they're all gone okay and as I said it's a thing to be sad about because they need, it needn't been that way if they had listened to uh, wisdom and so on but they didn't so they decided to pursue their vision of Scotland which is not God's vision because what we learned what was revealed to us and it's not necessarily something but it came really fresh to us and it powerfully hit us sitting in St. Giles. We were actually stunned with the, the power of it as it came upon us. The realization God wants Scotland to be a prototype nation in the earth, a prototype of a kingdom nation. A nation that's not governed by politics, but is governed by the ecclesia. And we have to see great harvest for that. We have to have, let, let's be honest, we have to have numbers in abundance. We have to be so numerous and so powerful as the church, as the ecclesia, so that people will be scared to even think about, let alone introduce laws, legislation, policies, ideas that are against this book and against God's people. In other words, and, and Stevie summed it up in one word. Clout. We need clout. We've got clout in heaven. And, you know, let me just say this to you. When we pray and we mean it and we decree, then God will remove any person that we, we tell him to remove. Okay? And we're not telling God stuff. Okay? What we're, what we're decreeing is God's will. Okay? And so heaven awaits the voice of the ecclesia on earth but it will only hear the voice of the ecclesia on earth when the ecclesia on earth realize that we're seated in heavenly places. We're here physically, okay? But there's a part of us, the Bible says, we're seated with him in heavenly places. So the Scotland God wants, let me tell you, it will not happen without your say-so. The Scotland God wants has to happen through the say-so, the speaking, the proclaiming, the declaring, the decreeing, of God's ecclesia, people on earth, the Zion of God, and that's you and I. So I want us to look at the Scotland God wants, the Scotland God has purpose. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37, that we could preach this for weeks and end, the, the prophesying to the bones. Amen. Prophesying to, to skeletons, the skeleton church of God, the dry bones that are all around us. Talking yesterday to that man, Bill, a former Baptist pastor, and telling us there were three churches in Bell's Hill closed due to COVID. And a lot of churches have been weakened by what's happened the last three years. 
or closed. So we're talking to dry bones, but we're not going to look at that part. I want us to fast forward to verse, uh, let's go to verse 20. In fact, let's just go to verse 25 because that's the one the Lord gave me. They shall dwell. This is the divine template for Scotland. As we're coming up to the coronation of King Charles. Now, I, I hear a lot of prophetic voices saying this, folks. I hear a lot of prophetic voices telling me, oh, that man will never be crowned. That man will never be coronated. They may be right. They may be right. But they're basing that, they would say they're basing it on, whoa, the Lord has shown me. I've heard a lot of people in recent times saying, the Lord has shown me. And this is going to happen. And that's not going to happen. And so much of it, it did happen. And, and so much of it, it didn't happen. In other words, their voices were wrong. Because, let me just say something about prophecy. Never prophesy out of your opinion or your preference. And a lot of people do. I want Donald Trump to be president, so I am standing here to tell you, Donald Trump will be president. And we've got Joe Biden. And you know, some of these people will tell you, well, you know, Donald Trump is really the president behind the scenes. He's running things behind the scenes. He's in some bunker somewhere, and the army's doing his bidding. I mean, that shows you the lengths people will go to. You don't know. Um, continuity of government, they call it. C-O-G. Folks, when you get it wrong, then you have to invent stuff like that. I have no doubt that the election in America was probably stolen from Trump. But let me tell you right now, the president of America is Sleepy Joe. Not Donald in a bunker. Aye, King Charles, that man will never ascend the throne. Listen, I'm not here to say to you, oh, King Charles, what a wonderful man, a wonderful king. I'm here to say to you today what the Bible says is that it's our Christian duty to pray for Charles. Pray for kings and all that are in authority, the Bible says, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty and justice. Ah, but you don't know that man, Charles. He's a Freemason. He's a globalist. He's this and so on. Why do you think the Bible commands us to pray for kings? Aye, that's sturgeon. She was a bad gen. Da, 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 da. That's why we prayed for her. There comes a point in our prayers where it's, they are improve or remove prayers. There comes a point where it really has to be, get them out, Lord. But you know, the default setting is we pray for our national leaders because that's what we're commanded to do by the word of God. And God has a template, and I shared this um, I think I shared this the other night in Bible class. I, did, and I, I do share it. And I spoke about the dream that I had. Maybe some of you remember it. I shared it at Arise Scotland. Uh, that I was sitting in a cafe with Nicola Sturgeon and others. And, uh, uh, you know, I found myself quite surprised to be sitting having, you know, something to eat with Nicola Sturgeon. But after the, the dream, the Lord said to me, I have an anointing for Nicola Sturgeon and other national leaders that they can walk in if they'll soften their heart, if they'll humble themselves and say, Lord, help me. What Solomon did. The Lord said, the abracadabra prayer or the, the, the Aladdin prayer. Give me three, will you? The Lord said to Solomon, what's, what's in your heart? I'll grant your wish. Because of David. And because Solomon was ascending the throne of David. And it's so important to what we're looking at right now. And Solomon chose wisely because he says, help me to govern. Help me to lead. Help me to rule. Because I don't have it in me, in the natural, to lead this people. So God, he asked for wisdom. And God gave him what he never asked for, which was military might, power, and authority, and also great riches. Because he prayed the right prayer and asked for the right thing. And God gave him 
a, a dimension of authority and prosperity to walk in that's never really been equaled in any national ruler, even in the New Testament. Era, sorry, the church era. And God said to me, if, the, if national leaders will turn to me and ask, there's a dimension, there's an authority, there's, a, there's an anointing that they can walk in, that they will succeed in, and I will protect their office. Now, I don't think that Nicola Sturgeon ever asked for that because she's out now. But she could have. And the great tragedy is perhaps that I never got the chance to share that with her, or none of us in here did, because I believe that we should be speaking to kings. We talk a lot about Paul. Paul is the prototype Christian. Oh, Paul is the man, the apostle, and so on. We all, we all should be like Paul. Well, Paul was sent to three people groups. His own people, the, the Gentiles, um, which was Gentilized Israel. That's a whole different message. And the third people group was kings. Paul was sent to kings. I want to say this to you. You and I are sent to kings. We, we keep reading it in Isaiah chapter 60. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The kings of the earth will come. So if they come and they come through that door, as David saw in his vision, kings being a catch-all phrase for governmental leaders, not just actual royalty, but including royalty, who are they going to speak to? Amen. We're going to have to fly in some big evangelist, pastor, whatever. No, it's, it's you and I. We're all called to kings. In Isaiah chapter 60, if you believe that it applies to us, we Stevie's friend, Ian Clayton, quite a well-known man, as told, shared with all his folks and, and Stevie, Isaiah 60 is for Scotland. Wow. I'm not saying it's for the, uh, uh, nobody else, but it's for Scotland. I'm claiming it. Arise, shine, the light come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And his glory shall be seen upon thee. So if his glory is going to be seen upon us here in Tharsis Street, that means something has to happen for kings to say, take me, take me to that church, take me to hear that pastor, take me to all those folks that are walking in a dimension that nobody else in the nation's walking in because I need to know their secret. There's a glory about that. I don't know what glory means, but I, but I know that there's, there's, there's something they've got. There's a dimension of living and life that they're walking in, and we need to be there to take notes. And we need to be there to get that man, Bill McMurdo, to lay hands on us. And all those folks, because see when they laid hands on Donald Trump, all these pastors and preachers, well, we need something like that here in Scotland. Magic Kate Forbes, coming through that door. I need prayer. Well, first of all, she needs that independence demon cast out. Amen. You know, let me just say this to you. The first guy that ever decided on independence is destined for the lake of fire. Amen. Lucifer had a top, had a seat at the top table. Great authority. He actually covered God's throne and, and he was security for the throne of God. That was before security was needed. He was the guy that we needed security from. And he said, I'm looking at that throne. I'm looking at the Mount of the Most High. Do you know what? That could be mine. But I need to go independent. Amen? Now, I'm not saying all independence is wrong because there's a, there's a right independence. We got independent from EU Babylon. But I want to tell you this right now. In May, there's going to be a coronation, and that throne is ordained of God. 
So to be independent from that is to be independent from the purpose of God. Anyway, going to sound like we're at a, some unionist rally. Well, we are. Amen? Because we believe in the union of the gospel that God gave these island nations. England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland. Brought together in the purpose and plan of God. Anyway, Ezekiel 37, which is where we are, 25, verse 25. They shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelled, and they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. Security. Security of borders. Living in a land that God has set up. Well, I want to say that describes Scotland just as, as much as it describes ancient Israel. It describes Britain. It describes the United Kingdom, doesn't it? A secure land. And, you know, there's uh, a lot of scholarly evidence and thought and so on that we actually here in the Isles are descended from these ancient Israelites anyway. But we are a covenant nation. We're a covenant nation throughout the United Kingdom because we all signed the covenant. Our forefathers signed the National Covenant, the Solemn League Covenant. It originated in Scotland, the land of destiny, but then we made the Puritans sign it, we made the folks over in Ireland sign it. We are a covenanted nation. Listen, when the covenanters covenanted Scotland to Jesus, to King Jesus, they didn't do it for their generation. They did it for all future generations. Our forefathers covenanted this land of Scotland to the Lord, and we are judged by how we walk in it in our day, even though it was hundreds of years ago, because it was covenanted in perpetuity. And this is God's template for Scotland, and for, for all of Britain, but certainly Scotland. It says here, they'll dwell in the land, a land set apart, a holy nation, a land of destiny. And look what it says. And my servant David shall be their prince forever. Now, of course, Ezekiel was prophesying long after David had passed away. So what is Ezekiel saying? We say, oh, that's messianic, it's about Jesus. Yes, but what it, what he's, there's a principle here, and this is it for us, that we can take as a prophetic message to Scotland in 2023. God wants a people set apart for him. And he wants government to be set apart for him. A Davidic king on the throne. There's an old man, well, he, he became an old man. One of the early pioneers of Pentecost in Scotland was a man called John McPhee, the Reverend John McPhee. You've heard me speak about him. But they, he and his people, they were over on the south side, in Battlefield, that's where the wee church was. And they had this vision. Um, and and they, they, they wrote about it, they proclaimed it and so on. A consecrated land, of Scotland being a consecrated, a set-apart land, full of consecrated saints, ruled over by a consecrated king. In other words, they had a vision of Scotland as being the land of the book, the people of the book, going back, in a sense, to covenant and times, and having a godly Davidic king on the throne. Back then, this is before Queen Elizabeth, the most part of the 20th century, we had kings. Scotland, it's no coincidence that Queen Elizabeth died in Scotland, because when she did, a king arose in Scotland. Ah, but you don't know that man, he's a Freemason, he's into all sorts, he's got bad ideas, he wants to defend all faith, blah, blah, blah. Listen, let me just say this to you. If you accept what people say, then there's no point in reading this book. If you accept what people say about marriage, about society, about culture, about, there's no point in reading this book. This is our guidance. And so the Lord's had me pray this, and I pray it for King Charles, that he'll be a man 
of faith, a man of prayer, and a man of God's book. Amen? Because we decide what our rulers are going to be. It's different a little bit with a monarch because monarchs are not elected. We can change an elected person like Sturgeon or Boris. We can, we can kick them out in prayer, and we have done it. You can't really do that with a king the same way. Uh, it's a different di di dynamic. It's a different dimension. Eventually, it, it, I mean, in history, we, we, we had to get rid of kings. The important thing is, is the divine template should be in our mouths for prayer and decree, which is that Scotland be a holy nation. And that we have righteous government. And that we have a king who is sold out to Jesus. And it might not be Prince Charles, it might be William, it might be, you know, but the point is we declare and decree God's will, God's purpose. That's what he wants. And we just keep going till we get it. Yeah, but what if you have to plow through last year, how many prime ministers did we have? Amen. We just keep going until we get the right one. That's how it works. Amen. You know, that's how it works in football. Teams have to keep going through managers till they get the right one. It's no different, really, in governing of, governance of nations. So that's the template that I believe God wants for us. A people dwelling in the land, set apart for God, and a Davidic king. A king that you say, what a godly man. What a godly monarch. And, and, and let me just say this to you. We silenced kings. Oh, kings shouldn't speak. Kings shouldn't have an opinion. Kings shouldn't say things. You know why they did that? Because they didn't want a king standing up and saying, this is the word of God, which is what Israel's kings did. So we need a, we need a king, a monarch, to say uh, what sometimes our late queen did. I'm a Christian. I believe in the, the teachings of Jesus. But we need a king will stand up and say, see that law that you just asked me to say? Because every law, did you know this? Every parliamentary law has got to be signed off by what's called the royal prerogative. Which means the monarch has to sign off on legislation. We need a king who says, I'm not signing that. That is against that. I ain't signing it. Don't bring that back to me. We've had kings that did that. We've, uh, Queen Victoria did, did that. King George III did it and they called him mad. Because he said, that legislation is against my coronation oath. But we need a king who loves the Lord enough to do that. So as we approach Charles's coronation, these folks might be right, something might happen. But let me just say this to you. We, we have to understand we're a kingdom. And Scotland is a kingdom. And so therefore we have kings and queens, monarchs. And the divine template, let me just say this, you will not read in your Bible Jesus saying thy democracy come or thy republic come, it's thy kingdom come. Heaven is a kingdom. There are no elections. There's no opposition parties. Jesus isn't up for re-election every thousand years. And we need our Nation patterned um, after heaven. Okay. What I want us to do is, well, so let's talk about Scotland. Well, I've shared this with you before. Turn to Psalm 2, please. I've shared this with you before. That, that uh, there's a biblical phrase used quite a lot, the ends of the earth, or the end of the earth. Now, we tend to think of that as meaning just, you know, as far as the land goes anywhere in, in the world. That's not what it means because the ends of the earth was a specific term used of a specific area, which was northwest of Israel, uh, the coastlands of Europe, but in particular the British Isles. So the ends of the earth would mean the British Isles and the understanding of people in biblical times. The Romans called it Ultima Thule, 
the end of the world. So that so and you know Solomon, which you spoke about, he had uh, mining interests in Britain, and he would send ships to bring back uh, precious metals from Britain. So they understood the term "the ends of the earth." Um, it didn't just mean it certainly well. It didn't really mean Australia and you know all of that. It was meant as the British Isles, okay, and the northern coastlands of Europe, the landmass of Europe. Now, Psalm two: Why do the heathen rage? The heathen, the word heathen there means nations. Why do the nations rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. Now here's this little phrase. The kings of the earth set themselves. Two phrases to take from this message today. The ends of the earth and the kings of the earth. What's the problem with Scotland today? Is the problem with Scotland today is the problem with all the nations. Most of the nations, if not all of them. Corrupt government. Wicked leaders, antichrist ideologies and policies. Babylon, in other words, Babylon. Okay, Babylon is the system. Babylon was an ancient empire that opposed Israel and brought Israel into captivity, or Judah into captivity, should I say? But here's the thing: is that Babylon today is the system, and Babylon isn't out there. It's not over there. You remember Dad's army? And you had the, the wee arrows at the start when the, the theme tune came on. Who do you think you are kidding, mister? And you had these wee arrows coming from Britain and the wee swastikas coming. And it, why? The enemy was over there. The enemy was over there. The evil empire was over there. The Axis powers. They weren't in Britain. So we had the wee arrows pointing outwards. Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? If you think we're on the run. Dum, da, dum, dum, dum. We could maybe sing that one day. <laughs> Get the words. But you see, the enemy was over there. It was external. Babylon. And it's interesting to interpret guys like Reese Howells, guys like John McPhee, how they saw the Axis powers. They saw it as, as powers. That, that represented Babylon, Leviathan, the enemy of God. But here's the big problem in 2023, not 1943. Babylon isn't over there. Babylon's in Holyrood. Babylon's in Westminster. Babylon's in Glasgow Town or City Council. Babylon is the fifth column within the enemy of God, the policies, the ideologies, the politics, the thinking, the mindsets, the strongholds, they're within. They're not over there anymore. We're not some Christian nation fighting hordes of you know, ungodly enemies across the sea, across the English Channel. The enemy's within. You know, you get there and they get the, the streets and preach the gospel, you'll find the enemy very quickly. Amen. You'll get heckled. And it's no longer the kind of heckling you used to get from maybe a few drunks. You'll get people, I'm from the police and you. You said something that offended me. And the next thing, the bobbies will be there. And you'll be in the back of it. And they know it won't stick but they'll still get you off the streets. Why? Babylon is within. Why do the heathen rage? Why do the nations rage and the people of the anything? The kings of the earth is the answer. The political powers, the governmental authorities, the political parties. Oh, oh, oh you mean SNP? Yes. And Labour, and Tory, and them all. Why? Because their policies... Do not line up with this book. Amen. And let me just say this to you. They don't like it that you stand on this. Because it says they take counsel together or they conspire together in some versions against the Lord and against his anointed. What does against his anointed mean? 
anti-Christos, anti-Christ. But I, 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 we could read that whole psalm and preach it, but I wanted to, you to see this. Ask of me, verse 8. Ask of me, the Father says to Jesus, and I shall give you the nations for your inheritance. And watch this. And the uttermost parts of the earth, or the ends of the earth, for your possession. Remember what I said? That those in Bible times would have understood the ends of the earth, the utmost parts of the earth, had a specific geographical, uh, if you like, area or location. And here it is, we're, we're living in it. So I like to read this as the Lord saying, Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. If you inherit all the nations. You see, if you're Canadian, well, if you're, if you're Lithuanian, if you're Estonian, if you're French, uh, and you love your nation, well, what do you say, Lord? I want my nation to be part of your inheritance. Okay? But we live in a unique place because we've already seen it historically. From Celtic and Celtic, uh, Chaldee times, which means from the very days of the early church, the gospel was on these shores. We've seen it for 2,000 years. That this has been uh, an island, group of islands, where the gospel has always held sway <coughs> to varying degrees of influence. We've been a Christian nation now since the days of the early church. And yeah, there's times we had to overcome uh, paganism and so on. There's times where the, the, the power and the influence of the church has waned, but there's been times where we've seen the Reformation being won. Celtic times. Steve and I talk a lot right now about Columba and John Knox, the times, different times in our nation's history where we've seen Scotland and the whole of Britain being the possession of the Lord the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. So you could read it this way, ask me, I'll give you the nations, and Scotland for your possession. Let me, let me ask you a question. Where are you going to go when you get to John O'Groats? What's beyond that? Not much. Some islands and the Arctic Circle. Amen. So in other words, the uttermost parts of the earth. If you're in Israel and you're looking at the uttermost parts of the earth, you get to John O'Groats and that's it. The Romans called it Ultima Thule. The Romans believed that Scotland was the holiest place. They didn't build Hadrian's Wall to keep the picks from coming down. That used to be the established historical thought. They, they built Hadrian's Wall to keep people from going north because they regarded Scotland as a sacred holy land. Now, they weren't Christian, they didn't know what, really what they were doing, but they understood there's something about Scotland. I'm not bigging up Scotland here because I'm Scottish. Oh, well, let's, let's, you know, let's just big up the land of Scotland. You know, we're not going to start wearing kilts and, you know, being, you know, uh, what do you call it, the Seagy Jimmy hats. You know, we're not going to be all that kind of mad SNP nationalist stuff. We're not talking along those lines. We're saying, and, and this is the, the whole thing that informs us, God has a purpose for Scotland. It's the land of destiny. Amen? It's the land of destiny. How many times did people come here? D.L. Moody. Alec talks a lot about D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody came all the way from Chicago, from America. Could have gone anywhere. Scotland. Billy Graham, Scotland, Glasgow, here we go. Billy Graham said, I'm told, the nearest he came to what we would have said was an outbreak of revival <coughs> was to was at, uh, Glasgow in 1955. And since it's, it's quite funny, not funny, it's quite interesting. The man who led Billy Graham to the Lord was aware of the importance of the British Isles and the purpose of God. A guy called Mordecai Ham. 
Again, I'm not bigging up Scotland just because I'm Scottish. Let's, let's big it up. Let's, oh, yeah, we want the revival here. Ooh. I'm doing it because historically, and I believe biblically, we can see God's hand in this, this place. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Well, it was inevitable we were going to go there. And a lot of these scriptures I'm giving you today, I would love to just preach the whole passage. We don't have time to do all that. Isaiah, so we'll just look at some verses. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 9. Uh, yeah. Surely, surely, the isles shall wait for me. Now let me ask you a question. If you're living in Israel when this was written, hundreds of years before Christ, what isles were you aware of? You see, from about chapter 40 onwards, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to an end-time generation of God's people living in the isles of the coastlands. And, you know, what islands was he talking about? Go and look at a map and say, well, how would they have known what isles? Because the, those that were aware knew the isles he was talking about was at the ends of the earth, which was northwest of Palestine through the Europe landmass and up in, in the British Isles. Surely, the isles shall wait for me. How many islands are off the coast of Scotland? I think I read somewhere once where much it was. Maybe some of you do, but it's a lot. In the hundreds, I believe. Where else do you get that configuration? The isles shall wait for me. Now, We've, we've seen this before. We know it. We've looked at Isaiah chapter 60. And, and I, I just want to give you something today that I believe. I'm receiving it as prophetic, okay? I'm receiving this as prophetic. We believe that Isaiah 60 is talking about an end-time generation walking in uh, 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 the Elijah outpouring, the, the end time revival that we're all looking at. Everybody's talking about in social media, oh, Asbury, is this the start of it? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, we're believing for it, we're believing for it. Yeah? And Margaret will back this up. I have said now for several years that the end time revival would start, or the, the, the next revival, the Great Revival, would start in Bible schools, Bible colleges. And that's exactly what it's done. So we know that Isaiah 60, arise, shine, your lights come, the glory, the glory will be seen, um, they'll all come to you, sons and daughters, there'll be a great harvest. We know that that's speaking about this end time move of God, don't we? But look what it says in verse 9. Surely the isles, which we've identified as, as the British Isles, shall wait for me. And the ships of Tharsis first. That word Tarshish in the Greek Septuagint, in other words, the Greek way of saying it in the Septuagint, it says Tharsis. How many churches are in Tharsis Street? <laughs> Amen. Isaiah looking through the lens of history. Oh, there's going to be a great church in Tharsis Street. That's where the ships will break out first. That's where revival will come first. I'm, I'm receiving that. Amen. You see, God can take his word and make it prophetic to your life. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I, I'm believing that I'm receiving it. I'm saying it before the Lord and all the angels. Revival is going to start here. I don't care where else it starts. I don't care if it starts the same time. But the ships of Tarshish first. 
the ships of Tharsis first. And the ships of Tharsis is what brought you today to this meeting, which is your car. Amen. The ships of Tharsis Street first. In other words, it's all going to come. We're going to see the glory. It's going to be seen. Oh, kings will come. Nations will come. It's going to start in Tharsis. Amen. There's no other churches in Tharsis Street. I don't know of any other Tharsis Streets, truthfully. To bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, to the name of Yahweh your God and to the Holy One of Israel because he has glorified you. Sons are coming. Harvest is coming. Amen. You know, Sister Pearl prays for Tharsis Street all the time. Imagine every single person in all these houses came. Well, we, we, we wouldn't need anyone else. We would need to have another service. Amen. You need to say the top half, you can come at 9 a.m. Uh, the, the bottom half, you can come. At, you understand? The ships of Tarsus first, or Tarsus first. To bring your sons. But look what it says, from far. So we, we can't have a local church here. We, we can't have local church thinking because sons are coming from far. It has to be regional, it has to be national. Amen. We have to think the bigger picture. Greater Glasgow, west of Scotland, central Scotland. We have to have a big picture. That's why, you know, and, and you've seen it in these meetings, Arise Scotland and even in the gathering, people coming from all over. And you know, on Easter here, we're having a service and people are coming from all over Scotland. The African Caribbean Christian Fellowships from Scotland are converging here at Easter. So they're, they're, they're far, because they come from Africa. <laughs> but they come from up north, Inverness and places like that. So we're, we're, going, to, we're going to have it. We, we've already, you know, the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying us to big up the church here. What I'm saying is, the divine template is what God wants for Scotland. A kingdom nation. A nation where, you know, every street has many Christians on it. Where people dare not, dare not, dare not offend God's people. Because the glory is seen upon them. And they just, they decide I either have to move or I just have to get saved. And certainly one thing I need to do is I need to toe the line because these Christian folks won't accept anything else. We're not talking about a tyranny. We're not talking about, you know, being a bully people. We're not talking about that. What we're saying is, is that the fear of God will so grip a nation, the nation of Scotland, that it will, that it will be an example to every nation on earth. It will spread like wildfire. It'll go to England. Was it Jean Darnell saw that, didn't she? It'll go to England, it'll go to Ireland, it'll go to Wales, it'll go to uh, the European landmass, it'll go to America and Canada. It'll hit all these nations. Scotland, the land of destiny, the great catalyst for God's end time move. I'm, that's what I'm believing for. If I didn't think it was going to happen, I would, I'd be doing something else today. I might try and get a season ticket for Ibrox. But I'm not a masochist. And the sons of strangers, verse 10, shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you, or minister, their kings shall minister to thee. Who, who will? The strangers. That means foreigners. Immigrants, friends. Do you know what that tells me? That all these people that have come to Scotland, emigrated here, migrated here, came as whatever they came, they're here for a purpose, which is to be part of God's kingdom work, to get saved. Amen? Isn't that good? And their king shall their leaders shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor have I had mercy on you. Right, we need to look at some other scriptures before we close. But I was just wanting to take from that. Tharsis first. So believe God for something to happen here. And I, I think it's happening, but 
We want to see sons and daughters coming, don't we? We want to see harvest. We want to see nations coming. We want to see kings coming. Why would they come? Because the glory is here. Like I said, we're not trying to big it up in the natural. We're not trying to, you know, promote ourselves. <laughs> Self-promotion does not work in the kingdom. So we're not about that. But we're promoting the glory. We're promoting the glory of God. We're lifting up the name of Jesus. Jesus. Name above all. And it seems we're singing it. Beautiful Savior. We're not here so that we can be the magnet that brings people here. Jesus is the magnet. Christ is the magnet. We want people to be drawn to Christ. I, if I be lifted up, he said, will draw all men unto me. So let me just say this. You want all men? You need to lift them up. And we're lifting up the name of Jesus today. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same. So that's what we're about at the gathering. We're not gathering people here so we can, you know, have a good time. We're not gathering people here so we can boast about, oh, well, we've got a great wee meeting going this Saturday morning. We're not about that. We're about the kingdom. We're about exalting the name. I've got a few things to look at and then we'll close. Kings shall minister. So now we're going to look at the kings of the earth. Well, Psalm 2, we saw the problem. Just a few scriptures and then that's us close. Psalm 2 it says, why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Here's the answer. The kings. Political leaders. Governmental leaders. The kings. Oh, uh, King Charles, he's a, he's a problem. Well, let's pray he's not. And let's pray that all the political leaders <coughs> either repent or get removed. There's the solution. The kings of the earth set themselves. You see, we have business with the kings of the earth. Paul had business with the kings of the earth. Paul actually was connected by marriage to the British royal family, his, his brother. Was married into British royalty. And when Paul was writing to the Romans, he wasn't writing to just, you know, ordinary folks. The Roman church met in the Palatium Britannicum in Rome, and it was... Many of the members were members of British royalty. So when God said, I'm going to send you to kings, the Romans was part of that. And a lot of those people became, they were already Christians. Some of them, it's believed they, be, they were converted by Paul. And the Roman church was the church where British royalty met in the Palatium Britannicum, which is, which is the house of British royalty in Rome. Some of them um, were obviously just servants. But many of them were uh, married into the Roman Senate and were British royalty in, in themselves, the Silurian dynasty. You see, sometimes our ignorance of history holds us back in our understanding of the Bible. Okay? We are called as Christians, as God's Zion people on the earth, to communicate with kings the purpose of God in the earth. And so believe God. And I'm not talking here about King Charles. and I'm not talking here that all has to be at that level. But, you know, it could be at local council level. It could be at parliamentary level. Let me just say this to you. Here's the great travesty of our nation right now, that there aren't more MSPs and MPs consulting people that you and I. Would you pray for me? I need prayer. Can you advise me in this? Because I'm struggling with my conscience well, how to vote here. Well, why is that not happening? Because we're not really believing for stuff like that. Oh, well, they're all, uh, we, we just go to church. We just go to our wee church. And, you know, friends, why are we here if not to speak to nations and kings? And Isaiah 60 says, God's saying, I'll send them to you. You know why I believe God's sending them to us? Because we haven't been going to them. Not enough of us have. And the whole thing about Trump was all about that. Trump opened the White House to Christian leaders, didn't he? Come in, pray for me, give me your advice, give me your counsel. You know, whatever you think about Trump, that was a good thing. 
wasn't it? Wouldn't you like to be invited down to Rishi Sunak? And I'm a Hindu, and I'm this, and I'm that. But I'm going to ask you a question. Could you tell me what you, what you think about this as a Christian? Because, you know, and would you pray for me? Well, that'll never happen. Well, of course it won't, because according to your faith, be unto you. But imagine saying, Lord, get me in the door. Not so that I can trumpet and be, oh, tell, let me tell you what I think. But so that we can share the word of God and pray for rulers. Because we're supposed to. But it's a whole lot better if you have a relationship. Very quickly, Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. The end times. Oh, Revelation. Well, what does it say? Revelation 1. Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. Well, it's telling us here Jesus is faithful. How many, how many of us know that? Sister Pell testified on Tuesday. We all have that testimony. He's never let me down. He's faithful to me. Amen? Then it says the first begotten of the dead. Well, that's Easter. He has risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, we're, this is Christianity 101. We're, we're in here. But look at the next phrase. Do we know him in this capacity? And the prince of the kings of the earth. That word prince means ruler or governor or boss. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's the prince. Oh, well, I don't know. That, that they, they leaders, they don't listen to him. Doesn't change the fact that he's the ruler. Why don't they listen to him? Because no one's telling them to. Amen? They're not hearing the voice of the church. Let me just say this. They heard John Knox. Oh boy, did they hear John Knox. You know, all the government back then, including Mary, <coughs> Queen of Scots, and even, and, and of course he was chaplain to the English royal house. They heard John Knox. Because John Knox had a mantle. And we need that mantle back in Scotland that God would raise up men and women and youngsters to go and... Rachel met Nicola Sturgeon. Nicola Sturgeon hugged her. So I had to throw her in the shower. <laughs> you understand? God can put you in front of... We've got, we've got friends. Uh, Kate and Finlay. Kate has met Nicola Sturgeon several times. She, God will put you in front of these people, and, and, but you have to be ready. And it's not Bible thumping them. It's not going up and saying, Thus said the Lord, you harlot. <laughs> you understand? It's been ready to have an answer that God, and it might well be the answer to a problem they have. They might not listen to that answer. But they've been offered it by the Lord through you. All right. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. Jesus is. Okay? And then it says, verse 6, he has made us kings and priests. In other words, he's put us at that level so that if we ever encounter these people and he will create that situation, then we have something to say. Because kings only listen to kings. That's just how it works. Okay? Leaders often don't listen to, to anyone other than leaders. It's just, it's, it's life, isn't it? So he says, I've made you a king and a priest so that you can converse and communicate and be on that level with kings of the earth and leaders in the earth. And I've given you things to say. And as a priest, you can pray for them. You know, a lot of these people, they need prayer and they want prayer, but nobody ever offers them it. Because they've got the same problems you and I have. They've got family members who are sick, family members who are going astray. They've got relationship problems and financial problems, even if they're well paid. 
And they may have a financial problem that they have taken a bribe. And they feel guilty about it. And they need to make their peace with God. They're just people. And part of our ministry, a big part and a growing part, I believe, in these end times, because you read Isaiah 60, you read Revelation there, is that we need to be dealing with kings of the earth. Revelation chapter 17. Let's just very quickly go there. We're, we're about to close. Revelation 17. This is where I want us to go today. It's, it's taught about uh, the judgment of the great harlot, the great whore that sits upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Babylon. Okay, it's talking here about Babylon. Mystery Babylon the great. And it says the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. What does that mean? It means that they have accepted antichrist, wicked, Babylonian ideas and introduced them into their party policies and brought them sometimes into legislation. And it very often, and most of the time actually, it's against this book. And they don't know the way back. They don't know how to break free of Babylon. And that's, why, that's where you and I come in. That's why we pray for them. That's why we pray, oh, don't let Charles be a globalist lord. We're not accepting that. We're not accepting that. A king of Britain, a man anointed by you to lead the nation. No, 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 we're not accepting all that. We're not accepting a prime minister who has <coughs> Babylonian policies. Not, not a chance, Lord. You know, Lord, the Lord wants you to speak to him like that. Not just, oh, Lord, we pray you bless our prime minister. How can he do that? And then it says in Revelation 18, verse 3, All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of Babylon's fornication. The kings of the earth, it says it again, have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth, they're involved too. They've got rich through Babylon. I heard another voice from heaven. And you know, sometimes we need to hear another voice from heaven. And it ain't the voice of, Oh, Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus will be your best pal. There has to be another voice. That applies to some people. Some people <clears throat> the Lord is gentle with. But not everybody is going to be reached by the gentle voice. Some of them need to hear a stern voice. Come out of her. My people. My people, he says. You know, that, that means that there are Christians in Babylon. Some are going to Babylonian churches. Some are involved in Babylonian ideas. Some have a job that compromises their faith. Come out of her that you do not partake in her sins and receive of her plagues. Anyway, in closing, I want to say this. We just read about Babylon. Babylon, and it says, the kings of the earth, the nations have been drunk wine with or fornication. That doesn't necessarily mean fornication as in sexual. It's speaking there about idolatry. But there is something I want to say to you. And it's about Scotland. And it's to guide us towards prayer. It says that Babylon has wine of fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication. And that means idolatry. But let me just say this. A nation that turns its back on God. We are speaking about this yesterday to this man, Bill. A nation that turns its back on God does so because it goes into idolatry. There's, there's so many idols, aren't they? Singers, pop bands, social media, football teams. Oh, I love the Rangers more than I love my wife. Amen? I love the Rangers more than I love anything. Oh, I'm a big Celtic man. Until it becomes an idol. Amen. And, and interferes with everything. In other words, all your whole life is geared around 
that you, you have to follow your football team, or, or you have to, you know, it, it could be a pop singer, it could be a whole bunch, it could be your job, it could be a car, it could be your house, it could be your reputation. Oh, well, the neighbours bought a new car, I need, I need to keep up with the Joneses. That's an idol too, because it's covetousness. But very often, when you get a nation that turns its back on God and turns to idols, I'll tell you what will happen in that nation. It will turn to fornication. And it will be sexual immorality. We are in a nation today mired in the filth of sexual filth. We're teaching our children, we're sexualizing our children in the schools, getting them to talk about intimate sexual details that children shouldn't even be thinking about, but forcing them into things. Are you sure, Johnny, that you don't want to be a wee girl? Because there's skirts available. Are you sure? Because we don't need to tell your parents. Wickedness. Perversion. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a due process and season for children to mature, to grow up, to be aware of sexual things. And forcing it into them. I want to say this, it's perverts that do that. And so what happens is, as we go further away from the Lord, there's more of that sexual perversion goes on. So I want to just leave you with this thought. I feel the Lord wants us to do this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, watch this. This is written to individuals. But you know, a lot of stuff in the Bible that's written to nations can be applied to individuals. And a lot of stuff in the Bible that's written to individuals can have a national dimension to it. Does that make sense? Look what it says. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, uh, verse 3, For this is the will of God. This is the will of God. This is God's will. Even your sanctification. That's a big word that means holiness. In other words, this is what will make you holy and set apart and be the people that God wants you to be and be the Scotland that God wants. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Sexual immorality is what the modern translations say. The old King James uses fornication, but sexual immorality is what it means. In other words, things sexual that God does not approve of. Oh, well, we don't want you Christians telling us what's right. Well, I, I'm not telling you. The Bible tells us. And we're not out here bashing folks. We're not out here condemning and so on. You know, it's not a hate crime to say, you know, what God's word says. And we're not going to name stuff. We don't even have time to do that in the couple of minutes we've got left. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from stuff that will hurt you sexually. And that's written to individuals, but there's a national application. And I want to show you this. Matthew chapter 6. This is how we're going to close this. Watch this. Jesus, and let me just say this to you. What's the greatest thing you can pray for any nation, including Scotland? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Scotland as it is in heaven. Now watch this. That's what he says, Matthew 6. We all know it, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And he just told us what his will is that we don't have anything to do with sexual immorality. So I want to say this to you. The Scotland God wants is a Scotland free of perversion. Perversion is everywhere right now. Sexual filth. It's not just Scotland, but all that business with the gender stuff that, that people innately understand to be indecent. That Listen, there are children in England and Wales apparently right now, and they're having riots in their schools. I don't know if it's spread to Scotland, but children in schools in England are actually having riots because they don't want to share toilets with people of a, a different gender. The wee girls don't want to go into the toilets and find wee boys there. So they're rioting. 
More power to him. Let me just, if it takes you out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, out of the mouth of children, the children are saying, it's not right. And the wee, wee lasses are not allowed to leave the class for toilet break, if they, even if they're menstruating. They're not allowed. But, the, but some schools are saying, well, you can carry a red card. All you have to do is to show that to the teacher. What wee lassie, 12, 13, 14, wants to go up to a male teacher and say, can I go to the toilet? Here's my red card. I'm having my period. I mean, you understand? That's perversion, folks. It's perverse, all these things. His school. Let's stop our lesson right now and talk about sex. What do you do? In your bedroom, am I right? Folks, it's got to end. It is better for a millstone to be tied around your neck than you offend one of these little ones. We need a Scotland that's wiped out. Let's pray. Father, your will be done. And your will is the abstinence, the removal, the complete eradication of anything that offends these little ones, that perverts our nation, perverts our children, perverts us and defiles us, Lord. Lord, it's one thing for people to do things. But Lord, it's another thing to have these things rammed down our throats by corruption in government. Lord, set Scotland free from unclean spirits, from Babylon. Let Babylon fall in Scotland, is our prayer. And wickedness and perversion be eradicated, especially, Lord, teaching our children these things. When they're far too young to process it, cleanse us as a nation, we pray. Let the Scotland that you purpose be the Scotland that we live in. Thy kingdom come here in Scotland. Thy will be done here in Scotland as it is in heaven. Your word, and we know from your word that that means it's already been barred from heaven. So let it be barred from Scotland. In Jesus' name. And give us fervency in our prayers to continue to pray along these lines. We pray, O Lord. Amen.